Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. Last week, Pastor Dave Chaka blessed us with an amazing message. Um, He was talking about healing prayer and how fitting to sing the song, Same God, today. Um, The words that God was, is the same as he was, he is, and he always will be. He was a healer then, he's a healer now, and he's a healer tomorrow too. And he always will be, he always has, and he always is. He's constant, and he's just the same. And we're we're so blessed. Pastor Arjun is going to come on up today, and he's going to continue our Simply Christianity uh, series on uh, biblical finance. Come on up, Pastor Arjun. Good morning, everyone. How are you all doing today? I know it's good to have fun in church. Mike and Brenda, come on up. Grab your mom. Bring her up here. All right, so a couple things. Next week, we want to have some fun. And I would like to invite all of you to wear your favorite sports team jersey to church. Um, Come on up. Come on up. It's okay. This is Mike and his mom. (laughs) Face off each other. Okay. No, no, you don't have to do that. (laughs) I was joking around because you know how before the fights, they all come out like this. Anyway. So who are you hoping is going to win? Kansas City. Kansas City. And you have some fans, and you are cheering for? The best team in the world, the 49ers. Oh. So anyways, it's going to be interesting in your household next week. But you know what? You guys are going to pray for each other every day this week, aren't you? Unless she has a new team, yeah? <laughs> anyways, go ahead. Thank you. We like to have fun. They will work it out and pray for each other, win, lose, or draw. I saw one meme that said, people cheering for Kansas City, the state of Kansas City, people cheering for San Francisco, and the rest of the country was like, can they both lose? Anyway, um, wear a jersey next week. You can even wear a blue and white jersey for some of you that like the blue and white hockey team. Um, I... I know there's some of you listening down there on our podcast down in that state south of Michigan, but those red and white jerseys down there, I just have such a hard time with that. (laughs) Anyway, uh, enough of that. Moving on. Wear a jersey next week. It'll be fun. Uh, Seniors Ministry, we're working on launching that uh, just to make sure I can get my facts straight. They do have a meeting on February 22nd, okay? Please sign up at the Welcome Center. Um, I might be a little bit confused. I think they were originally thinking to do food, but then I called the church to a fast, so maybe they're just going to have a gathering that time. But either way, um, sign up. Join us if you're 55 plus. Actually, I won't be there. I'm not quite qualified yet, but I'll get there one day. And then uh, our church fast this year will be February 15th to March 29th. Okay, it's actually 39 days instead of 40. Uh, Part of the reason for that is we believe in celebrating marriage and love. And, you know, there's this day, February 14th, that's pretty important to some couples. 
My wife told me every day is Valentine's Day with her. I have to get better at that. <laughs> um, but the church fast, February 15th to March 29th. Uh, Isaiah 58, verses 6 to 8. No, this is the kind of fasting I want. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free and remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them and do not hide from relatives who need your help. Yes, that's really in the scriptures. Then your salvation will come like the dawn and your wounds will quickly heal. Your godliness will lead you forward and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. This is kind of... Um, the prophet talking about the fast, because some people get really religious with fasting and really, you know, they get there. This is what God wants to do through fasting. Dwight Moody, who is a preacher that lived some time ago, he said, if you say, I will fast when God lays it on my heart, you never will. Because I mean, how many of you in the last year have woke up and said, I think I need to go on a 39-day fast? Zero. That's right. We have to be intentional. He says, you are too cold and indifferent to take that yoke upon you. But when we join together as a family of believers and we start laying some things down and crucifying our flesh, we can breathe God, believe God for breakthrough in our marriages and families, for lives to be transformed, for the power of Jesus to be released, freedom for the captives and souls to flood into his kingdom. People are going to be healed, restored, let love, joy, and peace be present in the lives of those around us. And then Jesus says in Matthew 6, um, 16 to 18, and when you fast. So when Jesus is talking, does he say when you think about fasting, when you feel like fasting on the day? He just says when you fast, which means it's a practice that we as Christ followers do when we fast. He says, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled. So people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that's the only reward they'll ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair, wash your face. Please do that anyways. Um, <laughs> then no one will notice that you're fasting except your father who knows what you do in private and your father who sees everything will reward you. Now, I want to talk a little bit about the fasting. When we fast, you know, you're going you're gonna to shut off your flesh so you can hear God's voice clearer. So you don't just not eat, you, you go pray when you not eat, right? But there's different ways that we fast. Now listen carefully to this next part. If you've never fasted, which is probably the bulk of you, I would encourage you, okay, do not decide to go on an absolute fast where you have a steak dinner on the 14th, you go off food on the 15th, and somewhere in the future, you break your fast with the pizza, Guys, you're going to be in the emergency room. Okay. A water-only fast over a period of time, there's a way that you need to do that. You need to read up on how to do that. And I'm not telling you not to. I'm just telling you, be wise about it and learn what you know what you're doing. Okay. Absolute fast. That's hard to do for people that are not, I'm going to say, a little bit more experienced. I recommend you start smaller and work your way up if you've never fasted. Now, Intermittent fasting is probably something that a lot of you could do where you only eat between time A and time B, like noon to 5 p.m. or noon to 6 p.m., and you eat all of your sustenance in that time, and then from 6 till noon the next day you don't eat. You know, that's intermittent fasting. 
There's the Daniel fast where people don't eat sweets or they don't eat, you know, only vegetables or no meat or no desserts or, you know, where, where you just remove things from your diet for a period of time. There's media fast where you withdraw from television, internet, chat apps, and that kind of stuff, okay? And then there's the therapeutic fast where you fast one complete day a week with water only. Um, so there's different ways that we can fast, and I, I like to share this a little bit. Um, when I was uh, younger, I was uh, given this diagnosis of uh, IBS or irritable bowel syndrome. And uh, it's not fun if you've ever had it. <laughs> but anyway, I, I started fasting every, so Sunday night around 6 p.m. I would stop eating and I would drink water through till Tuesday morning at 6 a.m. And I did that for one year. Um, through the course of that year with some probiotics and limiting my fatty food intake, one of the side effects was my IBS went away and I don't have that anymore. So my body was allowed to heal itself, for lack of a better way of uh, explaining it or, or saying it. So therapeutic fasting is a good way to get started if you're, if you're learning how to fast, where you just, you take a, an evening, you go off food, you drink water all day, and, and people say, well, I like liquids. Yeah, but if you're drinking juices with the sugars or if you're drinking like even coffee or tea, um, it activates your taste buds. That's why I'm saying you need to read about fasting if you're gonna if you're gonna do this. And we want you to do this. So I'm just saying. And um, and then as we're seeking God and we're hearing His voice, we're believing Him to transform the world around us. So I keep looking over here because I'm having a hard time seeing past the fourth row. These guys here. Let's see. Is that Darius? I see. Darius, come up here. So I want to encourage all of you. Darius doesn't know why he's coming up here yet, but I'm going to mug Darius here. Okay. I just need you to like stand here and try to look good for a second. That shouldn't be too hard to do. Just, just stand there for a second. I'm almost done. And then we can have you talk, but I'll tell you what you can talk about. Okay. I want to encourage all of you. We fast together. We believe God together. We hear his voice. We pray. I want to encourage everyone in our family here to participate with us on the church fast. Now, I know some of you, um, you can't just go off food. You're taking medication. Be wise about this. But all of us can do one of these things, whether it's intermittent fasting or media fasting or the therapeutic. I mean, all of us can do this. And let's commit together and believe God that as we start going into the next season, that he's going to transform everything. Okay, so I, I want to encourage all of you to participate in that. Now, that said, we had a youth encounter this weekend. And Darius randomly is going to tell us what God did in his life yesterday. <laughs> or what your takeaway is. So, Darius, as he explained. Um, so, I'm in grade 12 and um, graduating this year. And um, been going through, like, a lot of uncertainty um, and just like identity issues, um, just I've been telling myself stuff and the devil's been attacking me with um, negative words um, that God doesn't say about me. And so basically what I learned is like what we did, we did a little practice where we wrote down all the words that we've been telling ourselves. 
and then we went across the page and wrote what God tells us that we are. So I just took all those negative affirmations and everything that I've been telling myself and Satan and the enemy's been telling me and just got rid of them completely and it just completely changed me. Um, and I got to see that in a lot of my friends as well, uh, which was really um, impactful and emotional because uh, I know they've been going through some really hard stuff. Um, so, yeah. Thanks. That was pretty instant. He didn't know I was going to do that. Kieran and I had the grade 12 yesterday. It was, we had some really good conversations with those guys. It was, it was well done. And, you know, the, the youth ministry team that, that came up and ministered on that weekend did a fantastic job. It was a really good weekend for all. Okay. Stewardship, biblical finance. Ultimately, everything that you own all of your talent, your treasure, your talent, okay, your time, it ultimately all, all the good stuff comes from God. He created the earth, and by his right of creation, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Yeah, that's what Psalms tells us, okay? And he originally entrusted to Adam as Kieran started to preach for us. And you can read about this in Genesis. And man was responsible to manage God's creation and to steward over the creation that God had. Now, ultimately, Adam and Eve did not steward that which God entrusted to them very well. They partook of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which they weren't supposed to. And as a result of that, sin entered in. And you see that Satan was given some authority over humans for a time. And you see that the earth became cursed. So what do you mean Satan had a thought? He, he did, because when sin happens, we were operating in his arena. And because humans had no remedy for sin, except for later God put the sacrificial system in, and then later Jesus came, and now, because Jesus came, we have authority back. But if you look through the Old Testament, even the people that were like a man after God's own heart, like David or the righteous, they couldn't keep God's law for trying there's very few accounts of people that didn't like kind of mess up all the time because they had fallen. Now with God inside of us, we have the ability to conquer sin and live righteous lives. Anyway, that's not my point today. Jesus purchased our freedom to walk in the authority and responsibility that he originally desired for humans to walk in. R.C. Sproul, another preacher from years ago, Fundamentally, he says, stewardship is about exercising our God-given dominion over his creation, reflecting the image of our creator God and his care, responsibility, maintenance, protection, and beautification of his creation. So when we are talking about stewardship, biblical finance, I want to start with the basic core principle of biblical finance, which is tithing or tithe. Now, the word tithe actually means a tenth or one tenth. Can everyone say one tenth? So people tell me, well, I give 3% of my income to God. I'm tithing. No, you're giving 3% of your income to God. A tithe is a tenth. If you're doing a tenth, it's a tithe. If it's not a tenth, it's not a tithe. It can be more than a tenth, but then you're going into offerings, which I'll get to. And it also talks about in the scriptures about the first fruits where we, we give to God 
the first part of our income, and then from there, we take care of the rest. Now, Matthew 23, 23, you see this in Luke eleven forty two. I'm going to call it the revelation from Jesus. So Jesus talks about this in these verses that I'm going to read to you. And it says, what sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you're careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens. So these religious leaders would have these gardens and, and, you know, in the summertime, if you happen to walk into my backyard, my wife has a fantastic garden working with basil and oregano and parsley and many other things, mint. My point is the Pharisees, Jesus is calling out saying, you guys tithe off your herb garden, no problem, Okay but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. So Jesus is saying, you should tithe, yes, but don't neglect the more important things. So that means that there's more to it than just putting your tithes and offerings in, okay? There's a justice aspect. There's a mercy aspect. There's a faith in God aspect. They all work together. You can't take one part out and expect that things are gonna work as they're supposed to. It's kind of like most of your automobiles would have what? How many wheels do you have on your car? Four. Here we have tithing, justice, mercy, faith. Jesus gives us four wheels that all work together. If you take one of those wheels off, is it going to be as effective? <laughs> you can try. Good luck. <laughs> okay, so Jesus says you should tithe. Just like he said, when you fast. In Luke 16, 10 to 13, we read it earlier, if you're faithful in little things, you'll be faithful in the large ones. If you're dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. If you're untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will you trust with the true riches of heaven? And if you're not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with the things of your own? No one can serve two masters. You'll hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Jesus compares himself only to money he puts himself up there and says, you either serve God or you're enslaved to money. You can't be both at the same time, okay? In the books of wisdom, in Proverbs 3, 9, in the Amplified, I call it the wisdom revelation. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth and the first fruit of your crops or your income. And then we go to Malachi chapter three. I'm gonna call it the prophet's revelation. So see, Jesus gave us some revelation. The wisdom books gave us some revelation. The prophets gave us some revelation in Malachi 3. I'm the Lord, I do not change. Last week, we learned that God heals in the past, God heals today, and he will continue to heal in the future. Today, we're talking about they gave tithes in the past, they give tithes today, and we will continue to give tithes in the future. That is why you descendants of Jacob are not already destroyed. Ever since the days of your ancestors, you've scorned my decrees and failed to obey them. Now return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. But you ask, how can we return when we've never gone away? And the prophet says, should people cheat God? Yet yeah, you've cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? So this is a conversation. The prophet's talking to the people on behalf of God. And the people are kind of answering, hey, God, we never walked away from you. We've never cheated you. And the prophet's saying, actually, you did. And then he explains, you've cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. And you're under a curse for your whole nation's been cheating me. Bring all the tithes in the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's army, I will open the windows of heaven for you. 
I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. And then God says something fascinating to me. He says, try it, put me to the test. God challenges his people to test him in the area of the tithe. I don't see it anywhere else in the scripture where he says to test me, but you can test him in the area of the tithe. God says, I dare you. Do it, (laughs) right? And then he says, put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant and I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they're ripe, says the Lord of heaven's army. Then all the nations will call you blessed for the land will be such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's army. Then there's this interesting passage that sometimes people leave out when they teach on this. I want to go there in verse 13. You've said terrible things about me, says the Lord. But you say, what do you mean? What have we said against you? I mean, who's going to say something against God? Why would we do that? But he says, you have said, what's the use of serving God? What have we gained by obeying his commands or by trying to show the Lord of heaven's army that we're sorry for our sins? From now on, we'll call the arrogant blessed for those who do evil get rich. And those who dare God to punish them suffer no harm. So we as humans in our finite understanding and wisdom and reasoning, we tend to try to, sometimes we question God because when you see evil people prospering, how many know that can be frustrating? Some of you aren't frustrated by that at all. But see, Justice will happen and God will bring justice into their life. Okay. When things don't work out how we think they should, guess what? There's always this time factor where God is working stuff out. And often we get stuck in what I like to call the middle. We're in the middle. There's a promise. There's a fulfillment of a promise. And everything in between is in the middle where you're not seeing the fulfillment of the promise. And it's a faith walk. And it's a trust in God walk. And it's a trust that God is just like he says he's just and God's gonna do what God says he's gonna do. And those people that challenge God and those people that mouth off, eventually he will answer their prayer. And as their dying breath goes back to him and they spend eternity apart from him often, it will not be what they thought it was gonna be. But see, we don't have to judge that. We just have to trust that God's gonna work it out. God's going to be there for us. In Hebrews 7, verses 8 and 9, I'm going to call this one the revelation from the epistles. Although in this particular passage, it talks about the tithe existed even before the law. So how many know Moses, when he went up on the mountain, he got the law of God, the Ten Commandments, and the other 682 laws of the Old Covenant? (laughs) Right? Moses came down, Ten Commandments. And in that was when he started implementing the tithe. And by the way, just so you guys know, in the old covenant, the tithe was like 10% of your income went into the Lord's house. And then there was 10% that they set aside to practice all of the feasts. And then there was another one that they gave to the poor. And then it was almost like 30% of your income. So people say, don't put me back under the law with tithing. You're right. Because otherwise it would be 30% of your income that you'd be given to God. I'm just saying. Understand, it's a heart issue. If God owns your heart, he has your pocketbook. This should not be a concern for a Christ follower. I'm just reading what the scriptures say right here and talking about it. If this offends you, then you need to really go and sit before God a little bit and talk with him about some things. Okay? 
Hebrews 7. The priests who collect tithes are men who die, so Melchizedek is greater than they are because we are told that he lives on. In addition, we might even say that these Levites, the one who collect the tithe, paid a tithe to Melchizedek when their ancestor Abraham paid a tithe to him. So here's what happens. Abraham, God told him to leave his people and go to a land that he called him to. And Abraham decided to bring his nephew, which God didn't tell him to do, but he did. And then Lot created some problems for him because he got captured by some armies. <laughs> this is this war. So Abraham takes his household servants and they go and they rescue Lot and they defeat all these other armies. And all of the plunder from that, Abraham stops and goes over to Melchizedek and gives him 10% of the spoil of war. That happened before the law existed, before the law of Moses. Pre-law, you see that there was this principle of tithing, this principle of giving 10%. Now we know Melchizedek obviously is greater than Abraham. <laughs> um, so in this particular case, we see that tithing existed even before the law. Tithing existed in the law. Jesus talks about we should tithe and the epistles even reference that we should tithe. So tithing is just something that we do as Christ followers we give 10% of our income to God. But I will give you a couple caveats here. Number one, if you cannot give with a cheerful heart and a willing heart, don't do it. God doesn't need your money, but he wants to bless you. That's why he says to test him in this area. Okay, so what happens is if you don't give willingly, then you're basically throwing your seed away, according to the scriptures. Okay. So, so what happens is we tithe foundationally. If you want God to rebuke the devourer from your life, then you, you need to be putting the first fruit of your income into his kingdom in faith. Now, as Kieran and the team talk about uh, transitions all the time, uh, there is many ways that you're able to tithe when you're here. Um, we're currently in the process of putting some giving kiosks online. So you're gonna see one over by the Welcome Center right now that's almost done. Uh, it'll just be a little station where you can put money, cash or check into the strong box so that it stays secure. You could use your uh, debit machine so that you can transfer money. Uh, some people like me, I prefer um, e-transferring money over to the church, it's easy. I get paycheck comes in, I go in, I do an e-transfer over to Windsor Christian. I think it's giving at WCF.ca. Anyways, send the money over. It goes from my account to the church account. It goes right into the storehouse. The other way that we um, allow people to transfer money is uh, we have the app. You can set it up on the app where it'll transfer funds. And some people who have a fixed income like to do pre-authorized checking so many of you who pay monthly for your insurance, it, every month it comes out of your account on such and such a day each month. Do you know what I'm talking about? Or if you have a mortgage, your mortgage comes out through pre-authorized checking where you've signed a form. You can do that actually even for the church if you have a fixed income and it's the same amount all the time. You can, you can have the church send a batch and every week or two weeks they will be able to take the tithe as you sow it. Now in Canada... As a matter of stewardship, um, if you put your name and your address and phone number on your tithes and offerings, we can issue you a tax receipt, which allows you some deductions on your income tax each year. And people say, well, I don't need an income tax receipt, and I'm supposed to, I'll come back to that in a second, but <laughs> humor me for a minute. 
we give to see, we pay our taxes, but if they give you a deduction on your taxes, so instead of paying $1,000, you only pay 800 and you get $200 back in your pocket, if you don't want the money, give it to the poor. <laughs> Why would I do that? Well, you said you don't want it or don't need it, so why don't you claim it and give it to someone who does? But see, offerings are a little different than tithing. This is over and above. These are always free will. These are never coerced, never through manipulation. I mean, Paul in 2 Corinthians spent a whole entire chapter taping of an offering for the church in Jerusalem for the believers who are struggling. And in that context, he says, remember, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously, because God operates on that principle all the time. Okay, seed time harvest, sowing, reaping. Each of you should give what he's decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. And then he goes on, or, or then in another place in Luke 21, verses one to four, Jesus is at the temple and he's watching the rich people dropping their gifts in the collection box. And a poor widow came by and dropped in two small coins. And Jesus says, I tell you the truth, Jesus said, this poor widow has given more than all the rest of them for they've given a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything that she has. A couple things here. When you give offerings, you always give offerings according to your ability. If you have much, you can give much. If you don't have much, then you don't have much to give. Dave Ramsey talks about the four walls, food, shelter, utilities, transportation. If you can't support your four walls, you probably shouldn't be trying to support others. Does that make sense? Give according to what you have. But scripturally, we also give to the poor. We give to the hungry. We give alms, Matthew 6. If you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. The Pharisees, when they gave to the poor, they would go on the street corner and blow a trumpet. Hey, everyone, I'm going to give money to the poor now. And the poor would line up, and here's one for you and one for you, and that would be very embarrassing and humiliating for the poor. And Jesus says that's, that's the context he's talking about here. He says don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. When he's talking about when you give to someone in need, do it privately. You don't want to embarrass them. You don't need to get the glory for yourself. You just do it secretly. And there's many people in this room that look after the poor on a regular basis and they do so and you'll never know it. And that's what Jesus is talking about in this context. So the other one that I see blown out of proportion a lot of times when we teach on uh, finances, you know, good measure pressed on, that's actually in the context of judgment. If you give to others, judgment, it's going to come back to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together. Right? In other words, if you judge others, you're going to reap judgment in your life. And a lot of people, they sow judgment and then they get upset with God when they reap judgment. We also, in Luke 10, 7 or 1 Timothy 5, 18, it talks about those who work deserve their pay. So when you see a guest up here on the platform ministering, maybe someone that's not a part of our our, our staff team or our congregation, you know, that's, that's just helping us out for that Sunday. But if a guest comes in, you should automatically be praying and considering these things at all times. I don't like to put a lot of manipulation in a high pressure, quote, unquote, you know, manipulate you into giving to support something. 
you as Christ followers should be praying every day, Jesus, what do you want me to do with the funds entrusted to me? And when you see an opportunity or when a laborer comes in, when someone comes in and they're ministering the word to you, you should automatically want to respond by going guest speaker offering, here's some money. Automatically. I shouldn't even have to take up an offering when a guest speaker comes in because you should automatically be sowing into the one who's worthy of their hire. Do you see how this works? I don't want to manipulate you into this. I don't want to coerce you. I really don't want to coerce you into it. That's why I'm, a, I'm kind of a soft sell that way. And some people say, oh, you need to get up there and let the people know. Okay, I'm telling you right now, when you see someone up here, not me <laughs> or my team, guess what? So participate, join us, allow God to release some seed in your life so that you can start multiplying it back to yourself. There's ministries, there's missions. We want to sow into these things so that we can reap a harvest all over the world. And you know, I want to I wanna just share with you, like I share this every now and then, but I remember one time when I was down in, in Dallas and, you know, I was working my way through school and, you know, if you're a student, sometimes money gets tight. Sometimes money gets tight anyway, but I'm just saying, I was, I was trying to pay tuition and rent and car and my car kept breaking. And, you know, so I'm doing, doing all this stuff with my, and, and there was a mission center that they were building that I wanted to participate in. I said, okay, God, I'm going to pledge to give this much money over the next 12 months. And then my finances didn't work out quite like I thought they should. <laughs> so it was getting towards the end of my pledge period where, where my time was running out. And I said, God, I, I need another opportunity to make some money here. So I went over to the student center and I signed up for what they call it, these movers, these moving companies. We get students to come and, you know, move, move companies, you know, <laughs> move filing cabinets and whatever, that kind of stuff. But this one, this time, it was an accounting firm that wanted to win an award. So they hired a bunch of us students to go clean all of their offices in this huge building. So we went in and we, we vacuumed and scrubbed and we clean the cobwebs out and we polished their desks and their shelves and dusted everything anyway so that they could be really clean. And man, they were so good to us. They catered us brisket. Oh, it was so good. Down in Texas, if you've never had brisket in Texas, I recommend you get on a plane, drive down to Texas, fly down to Texas, have some brisket. Anyway, point being, when we received our pay for working for that company, they gave us more money than we agreed to work for. And I remember calling the manager up that hired us, and I said, listen, uh, his name, I remember his name, his name was Terry. I said, Terry, you guys must have made a mistake because we agreed to work for this much, but you paid us this much. And he said, you know what? You guys did a great job. Don't worry about it. God bless you. And guess what? I had enough money to meet my pledge. God provided seed to me who wanted to sow. Now, here's the part nobody likes to hear. He gave me the grace to work some extra hours to make the money so I had seed to sow. I didn't go meditate on the front lawn and money fell out of the sky. I got off my backside and I went to work. There's actually another place in the Bible that says if a man is lazy and doesn't want to work, break his plate. Don't feed him. Oh, the Bible says that? It does. At any rate, um, lovely wife. Now is a great opportunity for her to come up and share what we were talking about. 
Hello. Can you um, do me a favor, put up the, the scripture, the key scripture that we read today um, with Christine and Sarush? Can you put up, just put up that scripture, not the video, but like just the scripture? Which one? The key one that they read. But there was 13 verses. Uh, okay, hold on. Let me go to Luke. <laughs> Somewhere in Luke 16. Hold on. Was it the faithful one in verse 10? No, it was the parable. Oh. That he was talking about the lesson that they read. Okay. Where is it? In verse 9, I tell you, learn from this, make friends for yourself. Uh, nope, right here. Okay, so I want to start from... Uh, Luke 16, verse uh, 8. Okay, so um, we were reading scripture this morning, and, you know, the Holy Spirit uh, just began to talk to me about a couple things. And so I texted our <laughs> Pastor Arjun on the platform and said, I really believe the Holy Spirit needs me to share this. So as everything was coming together, because then we were talking about leadership in the workplace and we were talking about so many things. But when we were reading this scripture this morning, I just want to take take us through it really quickly. I don't have a lot of time to expand on this and I got to con consolidate what the Holy Spirit is like in a wave here and I'm, I got to get it through here. So the rich man, in verse 8 it said, the rich man had to admire the dishonest rascal for being so shrewd. And it is true that the children of this world are more shrewd in dealing with the world around them than the children of light. Okay, then Jesus says, here's the lesson. Um, use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Then when your possessions are gone, they will welcome you in the kingdom of heaven. Okay, so I need to go now back to where another place in the Bible where it says um, where else we are to be shrewd. And uh, hold on, I gotta find it here. Okay. So it says in Matthew 10, verse 16, it says, and this is Jesus talking, okay? He says, look, I am sending you out as sheep among wolves. So be as shrewd as snakes and harmless as doves. Now, I, I needed to look up. I've, I looked up the word shrewd, okay? Now, Jesus was, one, uh, was very shrewd. He was witty. He was clever. Every time he spoke, nobody had anything that they could say to him with anything that he was talking about. Okay? So he's saying to us as his followers that we also need to be shrewd as snakes, but gentle as doves. So another way to say it is walking in love when we're doing all these things. So having, so shrewd means having an astute or sharp judgment in practical matters. And here's the, the, little, the, the little end part that they talk about that was really cool that came from the scriptures. Sometimes at the cost of moral compromise. So we just read in the scripture that the rich man, who's Jesus, 
had to admire the rascal for being so shrewd. And the, the tail end of what sh one of the um, definitions of being shrewd is, sometimes at the cost of moral compromise. But that's the way the world is. So when Jesus is saying to us to be shrewd as snakes and um, wise as doves, he, uh, gentle as doves, sorry, that he is asking us to be practical, uh, sharp, astute in our judgment in practical matters, also keen, piercing, artful, innovative in all the things that we're doing when we are sending, when he's sending us into the world. In that scripture, in the context, when he was talking about it, he was talking to his disciples and sending them out and sending them out into the world to go and be the church. So when we're talking about these things, especially when Pastor RJ is talking about stewardship and stewardship with our money and all of these things. I believe that the time is, is now, it's here, that God is asking, he is ready to release the wealth of the world into the church. But we have to be ready and able to be shrewd with what he has given us, to be uh, astute, to be sharp in practical matters, to be able to be innovative in all of those things. All of those ideas that come to you, they come from the Lord. The entrepreneurship, the way to, to do new business, to be able to create something, to invent something, to be innovative in all those things, that's from the Spirit of God. So when we're doing those things and we want to go out and we want to practice those things, that it's from the Spirit of God. So as, can I ask you to stand? And we're going to go into communion, but... I really feel that the, the Spirit of God, you know, right now, this is like all the Holy Spirit. Like we have leadership in the workplace right now. Worship in the workplace. And it's now that if you've been thinking and God has been speaking to you and you have been just thinking about, you know, I think I could start a business. I think I can do this. I would like to do this. Or in your place at work where God has you. He is asking you to be astute and sharp, keen and piercing in all those practical matters of everyday life. He wants you to be shrewd. But you don't have to compromise your integrity or, uh, your, or your moral compass in order to do those things. Because what will promote you and what will make room for what you're doing and who you are as you worship God is your integrity is your unwillingness to compromise in your, in your morality. That is what is going to promote you and that you will have in your hands, God is seeing and you're, you're actually working it out that you are faithful with the little thing that God has given you and you are able to be faithful with the much that he wants to bring into the church. There's all over places like in, in the scripture where God is providing for his people through the tool, like the, in what we just read um, back in Luke, we were reading in Luke 16. I don't know if any, like I immediately when I saw it, um, when Jesus said to them, here's the lesson, okay? That, let me go back here. Here's the lesson. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Your possessions, when they're gone, they will welcome you an eternal home. Listen, 
Your money is the tool that is, he's telling you to use to make a way for you to store up treasures in heaven. Like, that's so cool. <laughs> like, he's telling you that I want to give you the wonderful things that I have made on this planet. And by using the money, so we're supposed to, like, we, Pastor Argy just read, no man can serve two masters. But you are supposed to use the money to serve the Lord. So if you can be trusted to take the wealth that God has given you and to be shrewd with it, because those ideas, those thoughts come from the Spirit of God. He will continue to pour into you, but not for your benefit and not for your glory. So that when people come up to you and say, wow, that was a great idea. Wow, how did you know how to do that? Wow, that was a great answer. That Remember that out of your mouth will come glory be to God. That you don't receive the praise and the adoration of people. But you in turn will go, you know, I'm a Christian, and I believe that the Lord gave me that idea. The Holy Spirit just gave me that idea, and I was just kept, he really helped me work it out. And, I, and, and then, in the practical, how did he do it? How did he help work it out for you? Leadership in the workplace. These are equipping things that we, by the Spirit, as we're prayerfully putting them together, the whole team asking God, how do we do this? How do we equip people to do what God is calling us to do? Like Pastor RJ said, it's not that you sit on the front lawn and you meditate and hope it just drops there. Like God is giving you the beginnings of the idea, the innovation, the innovation to do it. So then start to talk with him about it. Start doing it. Start taking steps. I believe there's people in this room. You have sat on your hands and God has given you the idea, that entrepreneurial idea, that innovative, creative idea, and you're too scared to do it. You don't know where to start. Well, guess what? Here in the church, we've got a place for you to start. Sign up for worship in the workplace, leadership in the workplace, so you can learn and you can get around like-minded people. If you want to establish yourself and have great success where God has you in your workplace, wherever you are, if you, even if you're in, working in the home as a mom, as a, as a dad, wherever you are, anywhere you are working and putting your hands out to work, that if you want that to be established, that you have to go and do it with God. That you have to surrender that to him. And that you take steps to go and practically walk those things out. As we receive communion today, I want to pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, I thank you for what you are doing and what you are releasing in Windsor Christian Fellowship. Father, I'm asking you that in, in the way that you do it, in your timing and in your way, Holy Spirit, that you are ready to bring the increase and bring the release into the house. But you're doing it through your people who are faithful, who are found to be people of honor and integrity. Lord, I thank you that you are releasing that spirit of being shrewd, to be keen, 
to be piercing, to be wise in all those practical matters, Father God, to be innovative in all the areas of our lives because everything that's good and perfect comes from you. Father, I thank you that I'm speaking over this house, a release of that spirit. I thank you that there's people all over the room that you've given them an idea, you've given them a thought, you've given them an innovative idea to be creative, to be crafty, to do something in a way that nobody else has done it, and that comes from you. Father, I thank you that you give them the courage to step out and do something. Lord, I thank you that as they step out, that you are divinely connecting them to the right people that you are providing the resources, Lord God, that you're speaking to them, that you're showing them. Lord God, I thank you for everyone in their homes, for everyone wherever they are in their workplace. There is no lesser esteem given to the person who is working um, for someone than the person who is the employer. Lord, I thank you that you have a place for everyone and all you've called us to is obedience and to obey you wherever you have us at. So I thank you, Lord, that as your people obey wherever they are at, Lord God, and that they choose to be an ambassador of Christ and that they are called to worship you in everything and their stewardship of every breath that you've given them, their stewardship of their labor, their finances that come to them, Lord God, because it's the finances from your word that you even say that we're supposed to use to serve you to Store up treasures in heaven. So I thank you, Father God, that we're able to use that, to multiply that, to be able to bless others, to bring you glory, to bring you honor, to draw more people into you, Lord God, and to bring glory to you, to point straight to you in all things. Lord God, I thank you for the release of that spirit in this house right now. I thank you, Father God, that they know who they are, that they would receive the unction, that they would receive the stirring, that they would receive the prompting to go and to do something, to take part, that they would be obedient to what you're asking them to do. So Father, I thank you for your blessing on this house. I thank you that Windsor Christian Fellowship is an equipping center for you I thank you that Windsor Christian Fellowship is a place that's filled with the Spirit of God. That we are a people here at Windsor Christian Fellowship who are shrewd as serpents and gentle as doves. I thank you, Lord, that we will walk out of this place every day, all day, 24 seven, and be the church. Thank you, Lord that we receive this bread. We remember that it was broken for us to be able to go and to do the things that you've asked us to do, that you've called us to do, to serve you. And to always remember that it came at the highest cost, Lord, in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for the cup. Your blood was spilled for us. And at the cross, you restored us to wholeness.
made a way for us to be restored to wholeness. So by faith, Lord, we receive. We receive healing. We receive peace. We receive joy. We receive your love. Thank you, God, that you have liberated us from the curse. And Lord, that you're working in your church and in your people to establish your authority and your kingdom here on earth. So today, Father, as we've received and released forgiveness, we declare your power. We declare your truth. We declare your word over our lives. And I thank you that we can look to you and trust you as our guide and that you're illuminating our pathway so that we can know you better in Jesus' name. Thank you so, so very much. Precious church family, God has a sense of humor. A few weeks ago, he just gave me a word, and it said, tell the people, don't forget to tip your waiter. And I said, huh? <laughs> and he always gives me pictures. And a while back, he gave me a picture of Pastor RJ as the Hulk because he's our bodybuilder. In the spirit realm, he's a mighty man. And people, we have been, this is your spiritual restaurant. When you come here, you're getting a meal that has been prepared by God Almighty and our pastor get together and they pray and they spend hours in prayer for us to present a meal that's fit for the babies as well as the, the ones that are just fairly new in it and the ones that have been here for a long time. It, the word of God is life and light and it will always give you what you need at where you're at at the moment. So I, I asked the Lord, well, what do you mean by tipping? And he said, you need to be exhorting, encouraging. Go to the pastor. Let him know that was a good service. Well done. Put together. Uh, encourage him. Give him small gifts. And the most important thing is to pray for them. They're our leaders. They're the head over us. They're responsible for us. And that's a big job. And they do it so very well. So Windsor Christian Fellowship, you have been equipped. Now go.